Good morning, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm so glad that you came to join us here this morning as we're going to begin a brand new teaching series where we're going to talk about how God speaks to every generation. And we're going to dive in today. We're going to begin this series with a message that God speaks and answers the question, God, who am I? And it's going to be a great day. I'm looking forward to diving into this teaching together with you. And I'm so glad that you joined us here. I want to encourage you to help us reach more people with messages like these and teachings like these. I want to encourage you to make sure that you're liking, subscribing, that you go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our, our YouTube channel. There should be a link below. And I would like to encourage you also, if you hear something in this series, if you hear something in this teaching today that helps you, be sure to share it yourself. Well, I want to pray. I want to pray and invite God to speak to us. No matter what generation we're in, no matter what uh, what age group you're in, no matter what decade of life you're in, God has something that he wants to say to you, and I want to encourage you to dive into it with me. Hey, let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to pray uh, for all my friends, for all those who are joining us here online today. God, I pray that you will speak into our lives. Pray that you will open our minds and our hearts to what, what you have to say to us. God, as we ask the question, who am I? I pray that you will help us hear from you the answer you want us to hear. God, we invite you. We invite your wisdom into our lives today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Uh, well, one thing uh, you might not know about me is that when I was younger, I loved loud music. Uh, I just loved to play loud music. I loved to listen to loud music. I especially like music that gets real thumpy and bassy. Uh, when, I was, when I was younger, and even today, I, I like all kinds of music. I never really was a person who got stuck in one kind of music. I have my favorites, but uh, I can listen to anything, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's rap or old time rock or uh, metal or whatever it is, I can enjoy it. I I'm sort of just one of those people. I like classical music and I like gospel quartet. I, I like, I like, I like uh, Southern uh, black gospel worship music. I mean, I could like just about anything I can get into uh, if it's the right time or the right moment. But when I was, when I was younger, I just liked music and I liked it loud. I used to do a lot of drawing and painting in my, uh, my room when I grew up. And so I would turn the music real loud and draw or paint. My mom and dad would, uh, they would tell me, to turn it down. Did you ever have that? You know, turn the music down. Well, then I would put headphones in and I would crank it up. And it was before we had them little, uh, them little ear, ear pods, you know, and, and it was those big foamy headphones. I'd wear those and uh, someone would come into my room and yell at me for having the music too loud still. And my mom or my dad would come in and they'd say, you still have your music too loud, even though you have it on headphones, 
squeak and hear it. It's way too loud. And I'd say, well, you can't hear it. They'd say, yeah, but you are going to ruin your ears if you listen to music that loud. You're going to do damage. It's going to be permanent. And when you're later on, when you're older, you're going to wish you didn't listen to such loud music. Well, uh, they would leave. I'd turn it down. And then as soon as they were gone, it's back up. And I continued to listen to loud music. And guess what? Uh, I'm older today. And probably the most common question I ask just about every day is, what was that you said? <laughs> and probably the, the most common statement I'll make when someone says something to me is, uh, you know, I, I didn't quite catch that. Would you mind repeating it? You know, could you say that again, please? Uh, and uh, you know what? I'm older and I wished I didn't do that. I'm older and I wished I didn't listen. Well, if you could uh, go back and think about the choices you made as a teenager, the things that you did as a teenager, the mistakes you made. If you could go back and talk to your teenage self today, what would be some of the things that you would say to them? Hey, maybe you ought to listen to mom and dad when they tell you don't listen to that loud music. Or maybe you, you ought to uh, think about doing this different or doing that different or being being different in this way what would uh, you say well this morning we're going to begin this series and we're going to begin with a message about uh, about about answering the question god who am i and in this series we're going to look at what god says about every stage of life every decade of life every generation uh, he speaks into our lives and and he gives us wisdom for each area of our life and and man uh, i can't I can't go back and talk to my early teenage self, but for those of us who are older, they're going to go through today's teaching. Maybe there's some things that we can pick up that we can go back and we might be able to redo. It might not be able to go redo listening to the loud music and ruining my hearing, but, uh, but I could go back and redo some of the spiritual steps that I should have done when I was younger. And if you're a teenager and you're joining us here, uh, maybe you would have questions for your future self. Can you imagine if you were able to have a conversation with your 60-year-old self? Uh, what kind of questions would you ask them? What kind of advice would you ask for? Uh, what kind of things, concerns and worries and cares would you you want to talk about with your own 60-year-old self. If you are a typical teenager, uh, you probably would have some pretty common concerns. You might want to ask your later self, you know, about your body image and how much effort and time and stress and, and, uh, and, and well, worry that you spent on how you looked. And, and you might ask them, should I have, should I have cared that much about that? Uh, you might ask them about your friends. Are the friends that you made 
today? Are the friends that you have today the same ones that will be your friends later? Were they good friends? Would they be the right kind of friends? Were, were you too busy worrying about fitting in to have certain friends? Or should you have focused on uh, other people as you were growing up? Uh, you might feel stress about the way that you spend your time and managing time. And so maybe you'll ask them some advice about that. Or, or, or maybe you'll talk with them. You'll talk with your older self about the conflicting pressure that you feel. Now, as a teenager, you, you have conflicting pressure. Pressure from your parents, pressure from your friends, pressure uh, from uh, within. And, it, and it's not always the same pressure. And you, you have some choices to make and you're struggling with. Am I going to make the right choices? Or, or, or maybe you would like to talk with your older self about the depression or the loneliness you feel. And you might want to ask them, does it ever end? Does it ever get better? Or, or possibly you might want to talk about your social media struggles and the, and the anxiety and the, and the struggle that you have with your social media uh, presence. Or, or maybe you'll ask them about the, the pressure you're feeling when it comes to things like drinking or using drugs. Or, or maybe you'll ask them about the pressure and the bullies that you had to deal with. I mean, what would you, what would you ask uh, your future self? Most likely, you'll ask your older self uh, about a really important question. It's a question that we all need to answer, and the question is, who do I become? Who am I? What does God want me to become? And, and who does he want me to be like? And, and you might ask questions about your purpose and your identity. And according to to teen counselors, according to writers and authors, these are some of the most common questions that people are asking today and concerns they're having today as teenagers. And so what if you could talk with that grown-up you someday? Well, uh, I can't bring you to that grown-up you to talk to, but here's what I can do. I can bring you to someone who has watched people go through their teenage years from the beginning of time. I can bring you to someone who has spoken into people's lives ever since he created people. I can bring you to God's word and share with you what God might have to say to you today as a teenager. How uh, do you find from God the answer to the question, God, who am I? God, who am I becoming? And that's what's happening. As you, as, you, uh, as you are going through these years in life, you are becoming something. You're laying a foundation to become someone that you will be later on, years and years and years and decades, hopefully, down the road. Well, here we are. We're starting this new series where we're talking about God speaks to the generations. And we're going to talk about how God has wisdom for every decade in life. We're going to begin this week talking about the teenage years. And then we're going to go into the 20s next week. And we're going to go into the 30s and into the 40s and into the 50s and into the 60s and beyond. And hopefully we will find that God has something to say to us about how to make the most of those years in that time in life, while at the same time, how to avoid common pitfalls that people fall into in that time of life. And one of the themes of this series will be, we want to get smarter sooner. 
Have you ever wished you got smarter sooner? I mean, a lot of people will tell you that wisdom is gained by making a lot of mistakes. And while that might be true, we do gain wisdom. Well, hopefully we gain wisdom as we make mistakes. Some people, they they just keep making the same mistake and never learn from it. But if we learn from our mistakes, we do gain wisdom. What, What if we could learn from God and avoid the mistakes? What if we could learn from God and do what Uh, what he says is best and avoid the pitfalls he tries to warn us from and, and take a hold of the life that he has to give us, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would save us a lot of trouble. That would help us do better in life. It would give us more success in life and happiness in life. And, and we would have wisdom without the pain of making mistakes to gain the wisdom. And, and that's really what wisdom is. Wisdom can save us a lot of trouble. It can bless us. It can help us gain understanding. It can make us more prosperous. It can help us be better with money, better with finances, better with other people. Wisdom is an amazing thing. It can strengthen our hearts. It can strengthen our future marriages or our marriages today, and it can give us better health. Having wisdom really makes a difference in life. And so in every decade of life, God will have wisdom that he wants to share with us and bless us with. And the good news is this, that God promises us wisdom if we would just ask him for it and ask him for it sincerely. He will give it, he says, if we ask him for it. It's a promise that he gives to all of us, no matter how dumb we might be or might have been. God promises if we ask him wisdom, he will give it. And so our goal today is to begin listening as God shares us with us wisdom for every decade in life. And I want to begin with the teenage years. And the teenage years are, are sort of like we could call them the go-kart years. Uh, These are the go-kart years. I'm going to sort of use cars and driving as an illustration for every decade here. And and these are the go-kart years. You're having fun. You're you're learning to actually drive, uh, but you're not in the big boy seat yet uh, totally. You know, you're, you're, you're a little bit uh, on your own and out there driving this thing, but you're not on the road. And, and, and sometimes you can have incredible maturity and thoughtfulness, and, and at other times the youthfulness comes back out, and we're right back to that uh, immaturity that maybe we had when we were really young. You're not quite on the road yet. You're not quite driving, uh, but you're taking some responsibility and uh, and you're getting out there and you're just having a good time on that go-kart. You're not ready for the big racetrack, uh, but you're starting to figure out the rules of the game. And the key goal for these years, the key goal for the teenage years is that for most of us, that this is a time where we're practicing a level of self-reliance while at the same time learning to rely on God and being dependent for a lot of things still on our parents and our other people. Uh, And the goal is to, to, to build a foundation for our life without turning to rebellion. And if we want to let God make the most of our uh, teenage years, now is a time 
to develop some big, some big blocks that will go a long way in our life. Some big blocks that will help form the foundation of our life. And what I want to do for our teaching today is share with you five really big blocks that will go into the foundation of our life that we need to put there if we're going to really uh, let, have God, uh, let God help us make the most of our teenage years. So here's number one. The first block is this, that now is the time to start forming a biblical world view. Now our worldview, it's going to shape and, and change and grow as we learn and, and as we interact with the world, it will become molded, uh, you know, as we, as we go through this thing called life with the Lord. Uh, but a lot of our worldview will be shaped by the, the people around us and the world that we live in and the people that we interact with every day. And we live in a world that is filled with all kinds of worldviews that are conflicting with God's word. They conflict with what Jesus taught now, Jesus did teach that there is a narrow road and there's a wide road. He taught that there's a narrow road that leads to life and that there's few who find it. And there's this really wide road and there are many who are traveling it. And just to, uh, just to illustrate how there are many that are traveling it, uh, one, w one research group uh, put out a statistic that said only 5% of Americans have a basic biblical world view. And what that means is that there are only 5% of people in this world that have a biblical worldview and that 95% are going a completely different way, have a completely different set of morals and values and cares and concerns. And, and that 95% are traveling a really wide road. But Jesus is saying to us, I want you to take the way of wisdom and take my road, the, the narrow road. And a worldview will answer a lot of things. You see, if we have a biblical worldview, it will change the answer to questions like, God, who am I? It changes. When you put God's word into the answer to that question, you realize that, that as a as a person, I'm a creation of God, that I am loved by God, I am cared for by God. And if I give my life to Christ, then I become a child of God, a son of God, a prince in a kingdom of God. Uh, who am I really changes when I have a, a biblical worldview. And, and a question's like, God, where did I come from? That question is answered differently if you have a biblical worldview that believes that in seven days God created all the earth and on, on, on that special day he created mankind and he created them man and woman, male and female, and he breathed the breath of life in them and, and he created them. And not only that, but it says that every person who's created, that he knit them together in their mother's womb. And even before you lived a day, he was dreaming up how your life was gonna go and what was gonna happen in your life. And, and it changes the answer to that question. And, and questions like, God, what's the purpose for my life? And, and the answer changes if I have a biblical worldview. And, and 
And as to the universe, where did the universe come from? Was it here by accident or did God put it here intentionally? And is there a creator? And can I know this creator? Can I have a relationship with this creator? And is there a is there really a grand scheme to the story of history and the story of humanity? And what is my place in that story? And if there is a creator, uh, what does he expect of me? And will I have to answer to him? And what happens when I have to answer to him? And, and did Jesus really die on a cross for my sin to forgive me? And, and, and can he really be the only way to heaven? And did Jesus really raise from the dead? And if he rose from the dead, then what does that mean for me? And now is the time to start developing some biblical worldviews and letting God uh, and his word teach us the truth about us as his creation. As we're asking the question, most of us in our teenage years, we're answering that question. Who am I? We're looking for the answer to that question. And God gives the answer, but we need to listen to his answer. And we need to humble ourselves and listen and listen early. I wish I got smarter sooner. And we want to get smarter sooner. So so in our youth, we turn to him. As, as young people, we turn to him and we say, God, speak to me. Uh, Samuel, the prophet in the Old Testament, turned to God very early and started listening to him and inviting him to speak into his life. In 1 Samuel 3, 4 to 10, it says, The Lord called to Samuel, and this is when Samuel was young. He was in the temple and he was young. And Samuel answered, he said, Here am I. And after a, a, a series of confusion, uh, of confusing questions and confusing moments, Samuel realizes that it's God speaking to him. And Samuel answers, Here am I. You called me. Speak, for your servant is listening. And that's the kind of posture we take when we're developing a biblical worldview. We don't come to the table and say, God, here's how I want the world to be. God, here's, here's what the world says, and, and I think you ought to agree. Or, or we don't do that. We come to him and we say, speak, for your servant is listening. I will hear what you have to say. And today, God speaks to us through his word. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture, and what that means is all of the Bible, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God will be fully equipped for every good work. Did you hear what it says there? That God has good works in store for you. He has great things he wants you to do, who he wants you to become. But if we're going to get a hold of him, we got to come to his word where he teaches us and trains us and corrects us. Now with every generation, there are pitfalls. There are common pitfalls, common places uh, we fail or falter or trip up. And, and one of the common pitfalls when it comes to our worldview is, 
and this has been a pitfall for a long time, especially for young people, is as we develop this worldview, we adopt the lies of the culture and society and, and, and philosophies of the world of around us. Remember, 5% uh, have a Christian worldview, 95% have a non-Christian and unbiblical worldview. And so what's going to happen is that those people with unbiblical worldviews are, are going to train us and teach us and challenge us and try to get us to adopt their worldview. That's why a lot of Christian people end up adopting worldviews of the world around us because there's just so much pressure to buy into the lies of the world. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you, don't fall into that pitfall. Fall in, rather, with the Word of God. Because even though 95% may disagree, God trumps them all. God is God in his will and his approval and, and God's word is more important than those 95%. In Proverbs 16, 25, it says this, that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And that's a sad story because you can be totally sincere. You can be in the 95% and feel like you're so right. And yet you're so wrong. The Apostle Paul would work hard. He would plead. He would debate. He would challenge. He would preach. And uh, he would try to get people to adopt a biblical worldview and try to get people to say yes to the gospel. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, with many words, he warned and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And while there's a lot of good in your generation, there's a lot of good, uh, a, a good, good teens out there. There's a lot of great things, I think, that are in store for the future of your generation. There's a lot of corrupt things. And, and, and there are things that we need to be saved from. And so I would encourage you now begin adopting a worldview that, that's biblical. Even Jesus would lament the people around him who didn't have uh, the, the worldview that God wanted them to have. In Luke chapter 9, verse 41, he says, Oh, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long, he said, shall I stay with you and put up with you? Well, developing a biblical worldview, that's going to set you up for a future of walking with God for the rest of your life. It'll help you avoid some storms and it'll help you weather other storms. And it will help you even today as you start to sort of form your sense of independence and develop uh, your worldview that will give you a rock-solid foundation to build on. The best thing we can do when we're young is to open up our Bibles and say the same thing Samuel said. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Well, block number one, it's it starts developing a biblical worldview. And block number two is this. Now is a time to start developing good, godly judgment. 
I recently read about a man who was trying to impress, impress his friends uh, by showing them how artsy he was and how, how, how good of an eye he had for art. And, and he went into an art gallery with his friends. Uh, he forgot his glasses, but he didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to embar- be embarrassed. And so he, he went ahead and figured, since they were looking at a lot of abstract things, uh, and even though he couldn't see very well without his glasses, uh, that he would go ahead and make comments and here and there, and, and he would just sort of like go along with the flow. Well, as it happened, he came up to this one frame and he began to criticize and he just be, thought he would just say something, you know, to sound smart. And he said, why would anyone want to paint something so hideous and ugly as this? I mean, it, it is a true rendering of the object, but why waste time on painting such a disgusting subject? Well, everyone was laughing by the time he was finishing with his rant and, and his wife leaned in and whispered into his ear. John, that's a mirror. <laughs> well, well, now this decade is a decade where we start using a godly set of glasses to start seeing the world through. We can make a lot of mistakes if we uh, go through life without the set of glasses, like that worldview, that biblical worldview, or, or, or a set of glasses that help us have a godly perspective uh, and a sense of discernment uh, as we interact with the world around us. Uh, it will help us see things a little more clearly. And, and now is the time to start using those glasses to flex your muscles of independence and 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 use your freedom that you're starting to experience a little bit more and taking on a little bit more responsibility it's time to start practicing discernment and discernment is when we start making good judgments and choices as we develop a biblical worldview it'll help us make those decisions and choices and we'll start to filter out Choices we want to make or choices we don't want to make based on having a heart for God. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. Now, there's some that think that Ecclesiastes was Solomon at the end of his life sort of talking about some things that he regrets, some ways that he lived, some things that he has done, the uh, lifestyles that he pursued that he regretted, and, and he kind of goes down this path, talks about what's wrong with that path, and, and then he comes back and he goes down another path and, and he sort of pursues all kinds of paths in life. If you've never read Ecclesiastes, I recommend doing it. But one of the things that Solomon keeps coming back to in that book is that there is one path that really makes a difference and that really matters. And it's the path that matters most. And here's how he says it. He'll say it in different ways throughout the book. But in, in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, he says this, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. That's 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 our, everything that that we're supposed to do everything that we're supposed to be comes down to those things fearing god and keeping his commands and now is the time to practice what it means to fear god now is the time to start figuring out 
What does that mean? How do I do that? What does it mean to have such a reverent respect for God that it changes my decision making? It changes what I do on my, uh, when, when I'm making my own choices and my own decisions uh, to fear God and to live in a way that respects him and respects his word. When King David uh, was chosen, he was also young. He had been working out in the fields that his uh, father had. He was protecting the sheep from wild animals. Uh, he, was, he was a hard worker. He was doing all kinds of stuff as a young person. And, and God sent the prophet Samuel, that same prophet who we met when he was young, that said, God, speak to me. Well, God sent Samuel to go choose David to become the next king over all of Israel, to declare that he would be the king. And when he went to David's house, he began filtering through David's brothers. He had some big, strong, older brothers. He had some he had some brothers that looked really good that were really tall and then there was David the small little ruddy which means he had red cheeks uh, the small little ruddy teenager you know and and here's what God said to Samuel about his choice for the new king it says but the Lord said to Samuel don't consider his appearance or his height the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And when it comes to this one, when it comes to using this as a time to create discernment in our life, it's all about, it's all about loving the Lord with our heart, having a good heart. Now's the time to practice what it means to, to, to have a heart for God because that's what God looks at. And when we talk about the heart, there are three big things that we could talk about when it comes to the heart in our hearts. Uh, often, when we talk about our heart, we talk about our desires. That's number one. Uh, that our desires, the things we desire, the things we let ourselves desire, the, the, the things that the, the desires that come into our, our mind, into our heart, th those are a part of our heart. And often those desires will be filtered through, we'll, we'll desire something and then we'll filter through those desires with the next two things. With our perspectives, that's number two. You see, my heart is made up of the things I desire and also my perspectives. That's going to come down to worldview again. You know, how I see the world. If, if my perspective tells me that thing I desire is not something I should desire, that thing I desire is, is good and I should pursue it, then, uh, then my perspective is going to help filter out the desires of my heart and it's going to help me choose the right ones. And then the third thing is our values. So my heart will be made up of my desires, my perspective, and my values. What do I value? What's important to me? I'm going to filter everything that comes into my heart through my desires, my, my perspectives, and my values. And that's why it's so important that I guard my heart and make sure I start to have a heart forgot because what I desire and what I perceive and what I think of as value is all going to come out in the things I do. The apostle Paul will tell us to guard our hearts and Solomon, the, uh, 
again, the wisest man who ever lived. God had given him a, a spiritual ability to have wisdom and to speak wisdom. And in Proverbs 4.23, he says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And again, there's a pitfall that goes with this one, a very common pitfall. Uh, and it's so common that it has become the the thing of movies. It's so common that, that a lot of people look back on the things that decided their path in life, whether it was a wise path or a foolish path, and they were all things that happened in their teenage years. See, another danger of this of this decade, of, of the, the 10 years leading up to your 20s, the, the danger of it is that as you start to experience this newly found sense of independence and a desire to be independent and to spread your wings, so to speak, it's also really tempting to be rebellious, to make bad decisions and to begin down a road of folly. Now, we just finished a series not too long ago about, about confronting the fool in me. And in that series, we again dove into wisdom literature. We dove into what God has to say in the book of Proverbs and throughout the scriptures about fools and foolishness and folly. If you missed that teaching, you can go to our, web, uh, our, our YouTube website or our website and, and go over to Old Messages and go to our YouTube channel. And you can catch that series there and go through the follies that, that we talk, that it talks about there. And most often, a lot of people began their road down those follies uh, in their teens, in their, uh, in the years leading up to 20. And a lot of people practice just the opposite of discernment in that decade. Instead, they practice rebellion because it's cool, because, uh, because they want to fit in, because there was peer pressure, or whatever it is, or because they were angry or selfish. Uh, they practiced a rebellion. And I want to encourage you, you know, don't go down that road because that road can lead to a world of hurt. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've talked with who uh, they are still in their 50s and 60s dealing with pain that that they brought on themselves because of foolishness in their teens. You know, uh, it's it's this time that this rebellion can bring about an addiction that lasts a lifetime. It can bring about a, a hurt or consequences that can last a lifetime. Uh, it can bring about a shame or a guilt that can go with you that will be hard to shake. Even though people give them to Jesus and ask forgiveness, they still have this emotional struggle where they deal with shame and pain from regret and decisions they made a long time ago. Uh, and, and not only is it hard on you, but it's hard on the people who love you. Proverbs 17.21 says this, To have a fool for a son brings grief to the heart. There's no joy for the father of a fool. And, but the opposite is even better. 
Practicing good judgment and godly judgment now can set you up for an amazing future. In 1 Samuel 12, 14, it says, If you fear the Lord and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if you follow the Lord, your God, good. In other words, it's good for you. Good things will come to you. It will be better for you and better for your life and better for your story and better for the world around you if you can practice good judgment. Well, number three, the third, the third block is this. This is also a time to start developing a godly work ethic. For most of you in your teen years, school is your job. And, and putting effort into school and learning, and, and maybe you go to college and you put effort into that, and, and you work at it, and you start to develop uh, good godly practices of hard work and smart work. Once you get a job, uh, you, you start to work hard. Once you get a job, you start to work smart and, and you show commitment and you show attentiveness and you show that you can be a trustworthy, uh, a committed hard worker. In Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if working for the Lord and not for men. In other words, you don't slough off because your boss isn't watching. You don't uh, cheat on the test because the teacher's not looking. No, uh, you do what you are doing because God is watching, because God is your boss, and you're working as if you're working for him. In Proverbs twelve fourteen, it says, From the fruit of his lips a man is filled with good things, as surely as the work of his hands rewards him and you so you show your family you show your employers you show your friends that you are trustworthy and honest and you are a hard worker in proverbs 16 11, it says honest scales and balances are from the lord all the weights in the bag are his making in other words just being an honest hard worker is going to be something that's, that, that God wants you to be. And one of the pitfalls of this decade, of this age, of, of this age of life, one of the pitfalls can be a pull towards laziness, a pull towards entitlement, a pull towards temptations to think that other people owe you, your parents owe you, your friends owe you, the world owes you, the government owes you. And, and there's a pitfall that we can fall into where we begin to think that everybody owes us and we shouldn't have to work hard for it. There's a temptation to enter into folly always looking for the easy way rather than being willing to take the hard way. There's a temptation to fall into the folly and the foolishness of, of thinking there's a, a quick uh, way to get rich, a quick path to success, and that I shouldn't have to work hard. Well, in Proverbs 12, 24, it says this, Diligent hands will rule but laziness will end in slave labor. Well, if you can learn to work hard, though, if, if you can learn to work smart and hard at the same time, that will benefit you the rest of your life. And by the way, that will especially bless you in a world filled with people 
that have no ambition. Right now, we live in a world where nobody can find someone to work because nobody has ambition. Everybody wants to be lazy. And if you can be someone who works hard and who's trustworthy, you are going to become a rare commodity and you are going to become incredibly valuable if you can learn now how to be a hard worker. And it will pay off, even though you don't know how. It will. It says this in Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine: Do you see a man skilled at his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. Wow. If we can be skilled at what we do, if we can serve the Lord and, and work as unto the Lord, and we can, we can, if we could show that, uh, develop now a, a hard work ethic, the day will come where it pays off. Well, number four, the fourth block is this, and we're getting close, so stick with me. The fourth block is this. Uh, number four is this is now a time to start developing godly relationship skills. Godly friendships, godly people in your life. And then we could, this could be a whole sermon series of its own. And so I'm just going to hone in and focus on one idea. This is a time where you need to think about the friends that you're bringing into your life. You need to think about whether they're the right kind of friends, whether they're the right people to be your friends. You need to think about the people you're surrounding yourself with. Uh, we need to be people that practice loving our neighbor, but we also have to be people who choose our friends wisely. Now, one of the things in this culture today, it seems like that, that everybody, especially young people, thinks they need to have a lot of friends. And if you don't have like a lot of friends, friends, you feel like you're missing out. But scripture will teach us that it's better to have one good friend or two good friends than a whole multitude of people who you call acquaintances or friends. We don't just, we, we don't all have all the energy and the time to invest in a multitude of people, but we can invest in one or two really good friends. And listen to what the Apostle Paul will teach us in 1 Corinthians. He says this, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You might be someone that's trying to develop a biblical worldview. You might be someone who's trying to have a godly perspective and use discernment and make good judgment. You might be trying to be someone that has a, a good work ethic and you're trying to put all the stuff that God has been teaching you in your life to work. But if you're surrounding yourself with friends, close friends who have corrupt character, who have a different worldview than you, don't be misled. That's what Paul says. And why would he tell us don't be misled? Well, he's telling us that because we can be so easily misled. And we might think, well, it's not going to happen to me. They're not going to affect me. I'm not going to let their ideas become my ideas. And you know what happens? Slowly but surely, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character and character. Uh, it's the foundation of who I am. And Paul wants us to guard our character, to guard our heart. And But listen to this. It says in Proverbs 12, 26, Solomon would write, A righteous man is cautious in friendship, 
but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And so a godly man, a man who's trying to live for God and, and build a foundation of a godly life, uh, will, be, will be cautious in who he's friends with. In Proverbs 27, 17, it describes the kind of person you want to have in your life. And uh, the kind of person he describes there is someone who's going to challenge you, who's going to mold you, who's going to encourage you, who's going to lift you up, and who is going to sharpen you. Uh, what he says is, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's a verse that's talking about two people who are friends, who are walking through life together, uh, looking to serve the Lord and live a godly life. That's the kind of person you want to find. And those are the kind of relationships you want to build. And so that's uh, number four. And number five, the fifth building block. And the last one we're going to talk about here is this, that now is the time to start building a foundation for your spiritual life. Now's the time to build a, a, a spiritual foundation. Now is the time to connect with God yourself and to have it be your own personal decision. You know, you might have grown up in the church and uh, it was someone else's decision. And, and your parents, maybe they wanted you to learn the Bible. They wanted you to learn Bible stories. They wanted you to go to church and worship and listen to sermons. And as you are now in this teenage life where you have a little more freedom, where you're starting to sort of spread your wings and decide who you're going to be, now is the time to make the decision personal. It's now is the time to say, I'm going to have a personal relationship with the Lord. I'm going to start uh, practicing worshiping God on my own. I'm going to go. I'm going to sing because it's my choice. I'm going to go and I'm going to pray because it's my choice. I'm going to look at God's word and I'm going to start making a personal choice to, to not only read it or listen to it, but to do it. And, and, and I'm going to start practicing spiritual things. I'm going to go to church and it's going to be my choice to go. Well, maybe you didn't grow up in the church and uh, and you didn't have that uh, that upbringing where your parents tried to, to help you along, which by the way, if you did and your parents did, then you've been blessed because you had parents that cared. You had parents that knew uh, that it's important to train up a child in the way that they should go. Or, but maybe you're like me and like I was. I grew up in a house and the church wasn't a part of our life. Uh, Christianity wasn't a part of my home and and. Jesus wasn't a name that we uh, talked about or used except to swear at each other. And, and you know what? There came a time where I had to decide uh, I was going to be a Christian and it was going to be my choice. I was going to follow Jesus and that was going to be my choice, even though I didn't have support for that choice, even though I wasn't being encouraged in that choice. I decided that, that it was going to be something I would do. And maybe you're at a place where that's what you need to do too. You need to make this decision and make it yours. Now is the time to own a relationship with God. You know, in 
in, in the Bible story, the Christmas story, we meet Mary. And the angels had come to her. Uh, God came to her, told her that she was going to be the mother of Jesus, the Savior, the expected Messiah. And man, I can't imagine how overwhelming that would be for someone, especially someone so young. We, what we often don't think about is that Mary was a teenager. And I love the way Mary responded. And this ought to be maybe the way that we all respond to God after he told her everything that he had planned for her and all the things that he wanted to call her to do she said this I am the Lord's servant <laughs> may it be to me as you have said and maybe that's what we need to say Maybe that's where we need to be, where we say to God, God, I am your servant. May it be to me as you have said in your word. I will accept a relationship with you. I will accept your grace. I will accept that you have called me to walk differently than the rest of the world. Even Jesus would find himself uh, as a young boy uh, serving God and, and doing it sometimes alone. Uh, we see him as he went to the temple when he was young. A story in Luke chapter 2 tells us about a time when Jesus was 12. He went to the temple. His parents went looking for him, couldn't find him, and uh, they were frustrated. And when they finally did find him, he, he was at the temple. And they were kind of telling him, you know, hey, what are you doing? You know, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And, and he, he says to them, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house. I wonder if there was a little bit of a rebuke there as Jesus, the 12-year-old, was saying to his parents, hey, how come you're not at church? How come you weren't worshiping? How come you weren't there? But as for me, I have to be there. I'm going to make a personal decision, and that's who I'm going to be. And I love the way it describes Jesus' interaction at the temple as he was worshiping, uh, as they were studying God's word together and doing all the things they were doing, it says this, that everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And I can't imagine how amazing it would have been to hear Jesus as a 12-year-old teaching in the temple. But you know what? It is amazing when I meet a young person who's made personal commitments early, a young person who is already walking the road of the 5% of, of the people, that, that narrow road, who's saying, I'm going to believe in God's word. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be in his house and worship God. And, and he makes his own personal decisions. I'm always inspired by that. Because there is something inspiring about someone who's starting and laying a foundation and a good foundation early. Well, maybe you're here and you're a, you're a young person today. And you're in this decade of life we're talking about. You need to make a personal decision to believe in Jesus for the very first time. I want to encourage you. Make that decision. It is the most important and the most powerful decision you can ever make in your life. It's a life-transforming decision. And not only that, but it is a decision that, that, that holds eternity in the balance of that decision. 
And maybe you're here this morning and you've made that decision, but you have a little more of a decision, a, a deeper decision that needs to go with that one. And it's the decision to realize that God is Lord, that, that Jesus is Lord, and that you need to acknowledge that he's the Lord of your life. That, that's where you're really making it personal, where you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, and I will do what you say, and I will worship you, and I will pray, and, and I will read my Bible on my own without anybody coaxing me, and I will sing and praise you because it's what I want to do, and it's who I want to be. You really make it and own Jesus' Lordship on your own. Or maybe you're here and, and uh, you, you've made him Lord. You've decided you believe in him, but you've never followed that up with, uh, with baptism, a baptism that you chose to be a part of. Uh, and you've never followed that up by deciding that you are going to, uh, you are going to obey him, even in baptism, uh, going ahead and just declaring that you're pledging yourself to Jesus. That's what baptism is all about. And, and maybe you need to make that decision to get baptized. If you want to make that decision, I would love to help you. Just let me know. Send me a message or, or uh, send, uh, fill out the connection card link. And on that card is a place actually to declare you made a first time decision. I'd love to be praying for you. And there's a place to declare that you, you're making Jesus Lord. And there's a place to declare that you would like to get baptized. But maybe it's not just that, but it's following all those up by practicing spiritual disciplines on your own. Again, uh, reading, reading your Bible every day on your own. Spending time in prayer every day on your own because it's your decision. Going to church because it's your decision. Giving and tithing and learning to put Jesus first and, and, and direct your heart towards him because it's your decision. And, and basically building a foundation now building a foundation of faith that will be like a, a solid rock for you as you go into the next decades of life. And if you're here and, and you are, are not a young person, you've been going through this teaching going, well, I'm not a teenager, but I'll bet uh, there have been some things we talked about that you'll go, you know what? I, I left some holes back there. I left some gaps in my foundation. And there are some things that I need to do to fill in those holes. As we go through the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, we're going to find things that, uh, that maybe we missed along the way that we could ask Jesus for forgiveness and ask him for help to fill in those gaps. And maybe your next step is just to look at what we've talked about today and say, man, I, I need to lay a foundation still and go back and, and fill in the blanks of that foundation. Whatever it is, I want to pray for you and pray with you. Let's go to God and just ask him to help us be smarter sooner. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we all have regrets. We all have things that maybe we missed out on in our teenage years, that uh, areas that we didn't lay a good foundation, uh, choices of rebellion that we made. Uh, and there are some who are here that they're in their teenage years. They're, they're young people themselves. And, and God, they, they're coming and they're saying, you know what? I want to make a first time decision to believe. Jesus, will you forgive us and 
Give us your grace and shower your grace, especially on those who who are making first-time decisions right now. And God, there are some who are saying, we want to make you Lord. We want to acknowledge that you are the Lord and we're not. And so God, I pray that you will help, uh, help us to yield to your Lordship more and to listen to you. And God, I pray that you will help us to build this foundation, a foundation of biblical worldviews based on your word, not the world around us, a foundation of making good godly choices and, and avoiding the pitfalls of rebellion and, and, and buying into lies. God, I pray that you will help every young person joining us today to to find the truth in you and to lay a foundation for their future. I pray you'll help us all to be smarter sooner because of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, I want to say thank you for joining us as we began this teaching series. Next week, we're going to talk about the 20s, and uh, we're going to uh, go through it in a similar way. Uh, and I'm looking forward to just every week hitting the next decade of life and talking about God speaking into that decade of life. And I look forward to seeing what he has to say and to sharing uh, what what he has to say, you know, um, well, I want to uh, move into a time now where I just say thank you to those of you who have been supporting Vernonia Church, especially our online outreach and teaching. Uh, I want to say thank you to you for being a part of what we're doing. I've been praying for you, and I'm thankful that you're a part of our online community. And I want to say thank you because you who are giving and supporting this work have been making a difference in people's lives. You've been helping people stay connected and feel connected. You've been helping people uh, feel prayed for and, and connected with uh, the teaching of God's word. And especially you've been helping people hear as God speaks. Uh, every year, I have a theme that I sort of build all of my sermons and my whole year on. And uh, I, don't, I don't often, most of the time, people don't even know I do it. Uh, but this year has been all about God speaking. God speaking in one way or another to a place in life. Uh, God speaking to the fool in us. God speaking through uh, his word in different ways. And so this year has been all about God speaks. And you know what? You've been uh, supporting and you've been giving to Vernonia Church in this online teaching, and you have been helping people hear as God speaks. And uh, I want to pray for Vernonia Church that God will continue to speak through what we're doing and the ministry that we're doing, that he would speak to people and, and bring about new life and, and bring about uh, uh, good things to this community. Uh, I want to I pray that God will continue to work through and in Vernonia Church, but I want to say thank you to those of you who are giving and who've been a part of that. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can always go online to www.vernonia.church and there's a give tab where you can set up any kind of giving you would like. Uh, but either way, I just want to pray 
that God will bless this ministry. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to come before you and I want to ask you to bless Vernonia Church. I want to ask you, God, to work through this place and work through this ministry. Help people come to know Jesus because of what we're doing. God, I pray that you will make a difference through these teachings, that we will hear your word and we will be drawn to your wisdom. And God, I pray that uh, through these teachings, you will help people make decisions to, to, to find a better foundation for their life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, I'd like to finish up by declaring it's been a great day, and it really has. So on the count of three, you're welcome to say it with me. On the count of three, it's been a great day. One, two, three, it's been a great day. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to being with you next Sunday.